Welcome to the NRL's Tackle Coaching Podcast, where the game's leading minds share their experiences to help you improve in all areas of coaching. Now, here's your host, Scott Sattler. Well, thanks for joining us on the fourth edition of Tackle Coaching for NRL Podcasts. And with me to discuss what is a, a very important phrase, I think, in coaching, it's not what you coach, it's how you coach. I've got Brad Donald with me, who is the Gillaroos coach. Nathan Hindmarsh, of course, 330 NRL game veteran and coaching at the junior level. And Mike Castle, who is the coach education coordinator. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. As I said, guys, a really important phrase, I believe, in coaching. I think it's something that's become a little bit more paramount over, over recent years. And is, As I said, it's not what you coach, it's how you coach. And um, I, I suppose I'll start with you first, Brad. How would you define a phrase like that, not what you coach, it's how you coach? Um, mate, it's, it's really, really important, this phrase. And it's something that um, I just haven't picked up in, in coaching at the higher levels. I've got kids that play. And uh, one of the things, probably the best way to sum it up is what you coach is an activity. And one of the things you find when you get other coaches coming to you, that they're asking, What's, what drills have you got for me? What activity have you got? Now, we can give coaches heaps of activity. We can mimic what other coaches are doing, but uh, that's just occupying players, in my in my um, my opinion. Uh, how you coach is the environment that you create. It's actually, and it's beyond just you and the players. It's making sure that everybody's having fun. It's making sure that your uh, your activities are inclusive. It's making sure that your mums and dads understand what you're trying to do. It's uh, creating an environment on the weekend that when parents roll up to the game, they're actually looking at both teams. So how you coach has a lot to do with that. So if I'm if I roll up on the weekend and I'm looking at both teams, not just my little Johnny, I'm making sure that everybody is having a really good time and they're, they're making sure that um, that environment is conducive to learning and, and having a great time in rugby league. Hindy, you're doing a little bit of coaching yourself now with your son. Yep, uh, under, what, under 11s. Under 11s, what club? Uh, Rouse Hill Rhinos out yep. there in the uh, the Parramatta district. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's interesting. It's my first year and I've, I've found it... Um, a lot harder than I thought it would yeah. be. Yeah, and I thought it. In what be... part? Like, what? Why is it so difficult? Is um, it trying to be simplistic, or it's just trying to? I suppose it's getting everything in that package of having fun. You know, which is obviously the main thing for under 11s, I believe. You know, just preparing them for for the weekends as well. Like it's it's and it's, you know, all those things we just spoke about. Then having the parents knowing what's going on. I think that's that's changed since I was a kid, where the parents just used to drop you off and <laughs> and they'd nick off and come back and get you an hour. Now everyone's sitting there watching you coach their sons and their daughters. So that also too, but just, and I suppose man management as well. There's a big thing as well where when I grew up, everyone was spoken to the same way. And now that that's kind of changed a fair bit where each child is individual and I can speak to one child one way, but then another one, I have to speak to another way to get the, my message across what I want from him. So it is, it's a lot difficult than I thought it was going to be, but it's a, it's a, it is a lot of fun. I love my weekends when I'm watching them play. I love watching them do something on the weekend that we practice at training. That is a big thrill for me that they get that right, that type of stuff. But the, I think the most important thing is it's got not what you coach, but how you coach. But I think it is also too at that age what you are coaching them as well. Um, and it's just I, – I find that is what you're coaching is very important to – for, for later on in their career if they want to continue to keep going. I know each year they'll, they'll learn and they'll, they'll grow and they'll develop, but I think if you get them on that, that path, it's, it's much easier later on. After coming from an NRL career where you've, you've got the ability to have so many resources, great coaches, whatever it may be, and then you go back and coach an under-11s team, are you mindful of, of the fact 
if you're always reminding yourself that it's just all about at that age group, the what you coach is just about your basic catch pass. Uh, and that's all it is. That, uh, that for, for me, anyway, it's, it's, you know, teaching them how to tackle is very important. I still find a lot of kids are putting their heads on the wrong side um, and getting their heads in the, wrong, in the wrong position. So that's a big thing I'm working on with my boys. Uh, catch and pass, you know, that is another drill as well that we do quite a lot of. Um, and we say talking about having fun, but there's also sometimes when it's got to be quite repetitive as well because I found I've done a little bit of coaching with the NYC boys as well that you can teach them one thing one week and then the next week they've totally forgotten what we we're going to teach. So you have to keep going back to it. So there is a lot of repetitive stuff in there as well. But yeah, as for as for the you know the, the resources I have, you know, all you need is a footy mm. and a couple of cones and that's it. And then you just use each other, you know, all that type of stuff. And it can be very easy, it can be very basic, but... Um, but that's just it. Educating the coaches that are coaching it at various levels, Mike, is that your role in ensuring that they they've got the ability to have access to all those resources for you know, variation? For example, is a is a big area in coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So, just off um, what Brad said, the, the 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 what you coach and and what Hindy said, the what you coach is is quite easy. Easy stuff to get. So we look, we talk about the core skills of the game: catch, pass, tackle, um, kicking, play the ball. But the the real tough stuff is the how you coach, and um, and what we're trying to do is develop more resources and educate our coaches on on the how rather than the what. Traditionally, we our courses were were um, were full of drills and skills and things, which are which are really important, obviously, because we want to create better rugby league players. But we've changed that the emphasis somewhat to try and include the how and we talk just off some of the things the boys said it was uh, it's making sure you can communicate with parents as well as as well as your players and uh making sure you you plan your sessions well etc so there's uh there's a lot more education now in that area than just drills and skills and every coach wants drills and skills and that's um and that's uh, that's fine but what we've done we've developed a, a, an online resource and an app uh, so there's my league app that can be downloaded from iTunes it's got every you know it's got every drill under the sun at the moment there's about 200 we we do a, a filming day every you know every couple of months where we try and um, add to that and there's also um playnrl.com with a with a full coaching resource so the what's there the the drills there there's explanations from uh from some of the All-Stars players about how to perform each skill. So all the information's there. So we can spend more time in our education on, on the how. If I master the how as a coach, what benefit is it to me and, and to my players? Oh, it's it's. I guess as a game, we're trying to make sure kids continue to play rugby league. And that should be our focus as a, as a coach, certainly at uh, any grassroots level um, and probably... Even at a, a higher level, you want to make sure your team, want to, your players, want to stay with you and, and and really buy into what you're doing. So, I guess the benefit it just keeps kids coming back. And if we manage our time well and we make sure the sessions are fun, enjoyable, and uh, we include every player and they feel like they're really part of the uh, the environment and the and the culture, it will just keep them coming back. And um, eventually, they'll learn the skills. If they keep if they keep coming back, they'll learn the skills. Um, if we drive them away from uh, with um, being, I guess, too competitive with our closed sort of drills, where they're, you know, they can be a bit boring. I guess at times, um, we we potentially have t- turn some kids away. Um, just an, another point off the back of what Brad was saying that kids don't actually um, care how experienced or knowledgeable a coach, a coach is. So we did some research a couple of years ago, and we found that how knowledgeable, experienced the coaches didn't factor in the kids' decision to stay or leave. It was 
the fun and enjoyment and making sure they get a fair turn that is what kept them there. So if we can get that right, those kids will stay and they'll keep enjoying the game and become better players, become better people. And that's, I guess, what our, what our aim is. Are we still seeing a lot of coaches that are thinking about the victory more so than the enjoyment? In juniors, yeah, most most definitely, mate, and I think that just comes from pressure pressure from the sideline too. Mm. A lot of parents have rolled up now, and and kids' sports become entertainment for adults, which is really sad. There's actually some research we're working with a professor at UQ in Queensland who uh, was just saying kids actually know and they enjoy their game more when mum and dad are being social on the sideline with other parents rather than <laughs> them nitpicking and watching every single um, movement in the game. So uh, it, it has it has a great bearing um, and that pressure that it comes out in the coach. The coach gets pressure to put play the best player. Um, you know, they also get pressure from the other kids. So if you've got a couple of kids that aren't up to speed, they've paid the same amount as what the, the better kids have. At our level, it shouldn't matter. So we should be letting every kid play for as, uh, for the same amount of time. But they're getting that pressure from the better kids' parents and from the better kids that you can't put little Johnny on because he can't catch. But he'll never learn to catch unless he gets the same experience as what uh, all the other kids get. It's just like, like a, one example of, of that, and being too over-competitive as a coach, there was a, a final up in Queensland, it was a few years ago now, under-12s grand final, and um, at, direct, straight after the game, the, the, the coach of the losing team was in, by the sheds crying. Um, you look over the field, and the kids that just lost his team were playing touch with the team they just played <laughs> against, and they were all eating their pies and drinking coke, and they didn't really care. Like they, it was the coach that was uh, was upset, and um, and you know obviously taking it a bit too seriously. The kids just want to enjoy themselves, and um, of course they want to win and they want to be competitive. That's just the nature of you know kids. But um, at the end of the day, once it's all done and dusted, they're just happy being with their mates and running around. Yeah. Now, Hondi, I'll ask you an, an example of a, of a coach that's focused on the how more so than the what. And while you think about that, I'll, I suppose I'll give my own example. I was fortunate enough to play under a, a coach by the name of Johnny Lang, who was at Cronulla for a lot of years, came out to Penrith. And it wasn't about what he coached because he was very simple in his game plan. Very much, not a lot of detail at all, but it's what he did to the the playing group, he, he just made everyone harmonious. He made everyone happy within their environment. Everyone knew their basic roles. And then everyone went out and performed and you get success, success out of that. So I'll throw to you, Hindy, with regards to a coach that's, that you've played under. doesn't have to be senior level, NRL level. could be any level, but it was more about how they coached. Yeah, I've, well, I've had a number of coaches. I had a number of coaches towards the end of my first great career at Parramatta. But, you know, a coach that sticks out for me, in my mind, would be Brian Smith for me. Um, he gets mentioned a lot. Players who play under him. Well, I just he just taught me how to play rugby league. I came from the country, came to Parramatta when I was eighteen. Didn't know how to play footy because all my footy, junior footy, was just about having fun and you know natural ability, all that type of stuff. You know, I went to training, was bull rush a lot of the time at the start, and we did a few few drills and that type of stuff. So when I moved to Sydney, I didn't know what draw and pass meant. Um, didn't know about any of that type of stuff. So didn't know about positioning on the field, any of that type of stuff. So. Um, he he was really good for me in that way, and also to just the way he coached. He, if he, he'd try and he'd explain something to us, but then he'd say, "This is why we're doing it." You know, we get to this point of the field. This is why we get in this point of the field because this will draw this defender into here, which will leave another will leave space on the outside for our backs to do what they want to do. Or if we get to this point, that'll drag a front row to the marker or the short side. So he was very good at explaining why. We were getting to these positions on the field and why we're doing what we're doing. So I'd have to, I'd have to say Brian Smith. Yeah, he sort of I suppose mastered both facets. It's not how he coached, but also what he coached because he was 
also focused a lot on the the little idiosyncrasies of the game, didn't he? A lot of a lot of that type of stuff. But he just he he, but he also too he had he had experienced players like very experienced players when I first started. Dean Pay, Joe McCracken, and he was still teaching those guys things as well. And that I think that's that's a good coach where mm. you can get a a senior player who is still learning and listening and involving themselves with with the coach. You know that's what I like seeing as well. What about yeah. you, bro? Have you come across anyone that it's more about the how? Mate, it's funny that you say Brian Smith gets mentioned an awful lot, and we use him. We've used him for a number of years in coach education because, uh, as Hindy just said, basically come down to you know, four real basics in catch, carry, pass, and tackle, and that's what the game is. So we've got to expose the kids to that as many times as we can. And uh, Brian Smith, uh, I think, spent a whole preseason doing. Okay. <laughs> we we spent preseason doing yeah six o'clock passing so a whole preseason and that's something I teach my kids I teach my team now is you know they don't have to be you know they love their spiral pass because that's what they see on TV mm. but you if you're a meter apart from each other you know you're not spiral passing it's just little six o'clock passes so and little and that was I learned that you know three years into my first grade career so um, those things kind of they're, they're burning into my brain those things and they're things I'm trying to teach kids now because the the what I got out of it, I'm trying to teach my kids the same thing. And I think, mate, what happens is you end up with a bunch of coaches watching Friday night footy and they think that uh, they've got to replicate what happens yes. on the field. Our sport just naturally is is elitist. Um, we only recognise ourselves as the highest we've played or uh, the highest we've ever coached, which is a, a bit of a shame, really, because there's some fantastic junior rugby league coaches that create great environments. And uh, we've just got to remember what happens with those really good coaches is they just teach the basics. They make it fun. They keep the kids coming back. There's no silver bullet in terms of making an NRL player. Um, a lot of that comes down to natural ability and keeping kids in the game. So that's our number one task here. And uh, we need to eliminate, unfortunately, some of the competitiveness around the younger age groups because of the environment that's created from parents and coaches. I've spoken to Anthony Minicello, uh, Matty King, in earlier podcasts, and also Brian Canavan and... Wayne Pierce, who have been involved in short-term coaching over origin periods. Now, you've just come off coaching the Gillaroos against the uh, the Ferns. And with your coaching, when you get the Gillaroos for a short period of time, is it more about the how? Or because you're dealing with a completely different demographic, females who have really only just been playing rugby league at this level for a short amount of time. Yeah, mate, mate, most definitely. Like it's it's a whole new um, beast, the the women's game. But it doesn't. The principles don't change at all. Uh, it basically comes down to making sure that that environment uh, for the team in a, in a short term uh, is enjoyable. It gives them something to aspire. We want girls uh, coming out of that environment. Uh, going back to their clubs, going back to their their states, and, and talking about how great it was. So there's other girls aspiring to be there, and and just doing the preparation with Mal and the Kangaroos. I was just saying to Hindy a little earlier that uh, it's really really important for them too. So this this how you coach uh, is is so important at the highest level for the kangaroos, the Gillaroos, that we really need to push it down so coaches understand. We've got to make sure that it's a great environment, be it um, for aspiring kangaroos players to be a part of that uh, national team or for aspiring Gillaroos players to be part of the, the national team. So it, it, has, it resonates at every level of the game. Now, if I'm an under-13s coach, Mike, what's my main goal? What's my priority? 
Oh, I think um, I think it's a great question. I think it's basically making sure the kids enjoy themselves and fall in love with rugby league and have a lifelong love of rugby league and and, and t- turn up every week. Yeah, but I, uh, we talk about a lot of the coaches here. I don't I, I don't want to get off track, but I think a lot of it comes down to parents as well. And we've mm. spoken a little, touched on that a little bit there because I've I've seen kids if they make a mistake on the field, they're not looking at the coach; they're looking straight to, in particular, dad on the sideline. What's he going to say? What's dad going to do? And I'm and I, I see that as a coach now. There's a few players, not necessarily in my team, but in, within the club where if they miss a tackle, they knock on or something like that, they're looking straight at Dad to see what Dad's yeah, going to say to 100%. Them. And then, you know, you see Dad barking orders, telling them to run and screaming at him, run, touch it, you know, you're not doing anything, that type of thing. And that that's what I'm trying to change. I want yeah. to change that as well because that is, that's about the, the whole environment as well yeah. where if the, if the kids, if Dad's, and my, oh, my man and dad are putting that pressure on them as well. They're not going to turn up next uh, year. Absolutely. No. Absolutely right. Yeah, mate, what, that's one of the greatest um, challenges for coaches. Like, the coach isn't just roll up and do the drills. It's unfortunately, it's it's a huge job and not all coaches are equipped with this. We actually have to get to parents and make sure they understand what the philosophy of the game is. The, so how do we do that, Brad? Mate, how, how do we how do so we do that directly with parents? Pull your head in, say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a matter of just communicating with the parents, and and sometimes you know having coached sort of sixes through to twelves, you get that two minutes after the game uh, when they're all waiting to see who get player of the match because they're also elitist. But it's a really I've used that in the past as a really good opportunity to say, guys, that was a fantastic game today. You know, we really. Uh, we're really encouraged uh, as the effort that, that the boys put in. You know, as as, as a sideline, you're terrific. You encourage both teams. It's almost like it's almost like you're teaching teaching kids. You have to give the parents positive reinforcement, and uh, you actually have to get them to understand what we're trying to do here. Because I tell you what, parents do they roll up and they're just looking at their little Johnny, and they're dirty if their little Johnny gets 23 minutes and everyone yeah. else gets 30. And sometimes that happens because as a coach, you've got a lot going on. And then they need to broaden their, their eyes and have a look at the whole team and why someone might have got 30 minutes. And then they need to broaden their eyes again and see what's happening with the other team. And then they need to broaden their eyes again and see what's happening with the other parents. So it's a really tough job because the only person that can facilitate that is the coach. Mm. Most people in clubs wouldn't have any contact with anyone bar the registrar when they sign their, their child on and then the coach for the rest of the year who's got four balls and eight markets. So they've got such a big job, these coaches, it's, it's, and, and it's really, really hard for us to, to educate them right up to this level. Would you propose a coach of a team, so for example, Hindy's under 11 side, at the start of a season, gathering the parents and, and setting down some ground rules really early on? Yeah. Most definitely, yes. I think that's that's... And that's probably one of the, that's probably the first thing, or one of if not the first thing you would do as a coach, you know, um, because a lot of the a lot of the sideline chatter and everything that does disrupt a lot of what's going on. And as we just spoke about, then it's it's not just turning up to training on your Tuesdays and Thursday nights coaching the boys. It's about dealing with parents after the, <laughs> after games about why did little Johnny only get this much time? Why is little Johnny playing in this position? All that why didn't little Johnny get a shot at goal? That those those types of things. So, yeah, um, and I, I'm 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 quite I'm in a lucky position where where my sideline parents are are quite good. Um, there are some vocal ones, 
but they know that I've I've had words to them. So, they're, they're, but they're pretty good because they do help out at training sessions as well. So, um, but they're they're a very good side, very good. Point. They put a lot of pressure on their own kids in the car mm. on the way home, and and there are a lot of articles about uh, the trip home, and it's it's horrible for kids. The kids have forgotten about the game two minutes afterwards. Like like Mike just said, we should just be getting in the car. I. Uh, I heard a great thing many years ago about you should never say to your kid you played really well. You should actually say to them, I really enjoy watching you play. Mm. And that just that change, and, and I do that with my two boys. I don't know how it goes down, but like I never talk about footy, footy, footy to them in the you car. Have spoken to my mum after <laughs> a couple, a couple of games. <laughs> this was this was NRL. <laughs> yeah, you played well today. Well, not. <laughs> you mean I drove up here to watch you play like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not about the content of what they've done because there is. I, I, I've seen it. You know, dad standing over the fence at half time, trying to coax their, their their kid over to actually tell him to run harder. Or and, and again, he's Hindy's mum's guilty again. <laughs> no, my my mum was all right. But, but no, when, when you're saying that though, I've I can be a little bit guilty. I've done that type of stuff before. You know, yeah. like my my young bloke, my oldest bloke, he's he's eleven, and I'm just. He he he's not the best defender, um, and so I'm trying to just teach him to use his use his shoulders a lot more and all that type of stuff. Use his fingers and all that. So there are times when not this year, of course, because I'm coaching and can't say anything from the sideline. But um, where I've I've actually done that, what you just said, you know, he's, he's trotted back to halfway. Arch, Archie, Archie, use your use your shoulders a bit more. Get your head in tight. That type of stuff. So, and I found that difficult not to try and coach from mm. the sideline. So and so I've kind of. See what the, what the what the parents are trying to do there. So I'm I'm a bit guilty of that myself, but it's just education, Andy. And I think um, like if parents are parents don't mean to do the wrong thing. They're trying to do the best thing for their little Johnny, and they will. They'll yeah. they'll yell out to him, get involved, get involved. Now, especially with yeah. the younger kids, what we we encourage is that you you might run in order of one to eight as to yep. the number on your back, and then you've got. Um, Tommy's dad's yelling out, Tommy, you've got to get more involved. Now, Tommy's turn will come. He doesn't understand what the coach is trying to do. So mm. it's, it's, just, it's more about just making sure that everyone in that environment uh, understands. Um, you spoke earlier about having that uh, meeting at the start of the year. We did a couple of projects in some clubs, and we actually uh, dictated what the coach would say. And we changed the philosophy from... Uh, the game it's now become the game's philosophy on how we coach and give everyone the same the same game time so it doesn't put pressure on the coach to have their own philosophy because if they have a philosophy it almost becomes winning because it has to yep. so it's really really important that the game dictates what the philosophy is and um, to answer your question about what the under 13s coach could do is if he gets every kid to return he's been the most successful mm. coach in the game and and that that's it's as simple as that how we should measure our success for kids on the retention rate and how many we bring back you talk about philosophy coaching philosophy and yeah the game needs to dictate the philosophy overall but developing a coaching philosophy how important is that yeah, well, I think your own individual philosophy. Yeah, you do, and we that used to be the first in. You know, I've been doing coach education for a number of years, and uh, that used to be the first module was developing your coach uh, philosophy. And you still need to develop your own because everybody's different. You know, we we don't want to just uh, all be Brian Smiths, or we don't all want to be Trent Robinsons. We want to be our own coach, and and that attracts different personalities as well but we there are certain elements of our coaching philosophy as a game that need to be rigid and they are things like include it basically follows the four principles uh, sorry the four values of 
of the uh, NRL, which is courage, inclusiveness, teamwork, and excellence. And if every coach and every parent, and every player was adhering to those five, uh, four values, then we wouldn't have any issues in the game and would have no 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 churn. Well, a lot of coaches, Hindy, say to me, "What is a coaching philosophy?" They hear about you've got to have a coaching philosophy. What is a coaching philosophy? <laughs> I think you're asking the wrong bloke. Or <laughs> um, well, mine is making sure the kids have fun. I just yeah. want, well, and I want to have fun myself when I'm coaching. Well, that's so, a philosophy, yeah. And I suppose, and I, I go to training, and I, I want to have fun with the kids. I'm not just the one asking them to do things. I, I like to join in. I like to stop sessions if if things aren't, you know, uh, going how they should be going. That type of thing. We'll, we'll sit and we'll and we'll we'll reset things again and I'll try and teach the kids like we spoke about with Brian Smith about right guys this is why we do a draw and pass this is why we should have drawn and passed here and, and those type of things so but the main thing for me is they have fun and I think that's that that's every coach starts off that way but some kind of get a bit carried away with the weekend success and all that type of stuff and things start becoming serious like and it's, that's the same as the NRL coaches you know I think at the start of the year they all start going Right, it's going to be a different year for me. And then three or four losses, they start changing the way they coach and, and who can be talking to the media, all that type of stuff. But um, my philosophy is have fun. If you're having fun during the week, you'll enjoy your game on the weekend and you'll come back next year. So, Mike, if you're looking at, say, a coach in senior ranks where you're dealing with mature adults, is it is it more is your coaching philosophy more about what you stand for as a coach? Oh, I think it does. I think it, it changes as the depending on what age group you you're um you're coaching. But I, th- I also think it's just the level you're coaching as well. If you're coaching um if you're coaching uh, reserve grade in Coffs Harbour, you're not you're going to coach very differently to Queensland Cup head coach, and your philosophy has to suit the the level you're at. So it's not. I guess it's yes, age groups are important, but your your philosophy needs to suit the level you're at as well, whether it's seniors or, or juniors. Um, that, you know, what Hindy said about just having fun, that, that applies, that should be in every, that should be within everyone, um, everyone's philosophy. So we, we talk about in our coach education, the difference between performance coaches and participation coaches. And basically anyone below Interest Super Cup or is, is, a, is a participation coach. Mm. They're, they're there to, those people don't get paid or don't get paid much. So we're there to try and keep them involved and, that philosophy, you know, it changes whether you're a participation coach or a performance coach. A performance coach, their philosophy is very, you know, has to be based on getting the best out of their athletes and um, results. And results. Mm. Um, but participation coaches aren't shouldn't be based on results. It should be based on having a good culture and club environment. And just just on the philosophy thing, I think we talk about philosophy, but then we don't tell uh, coaches how to implement it. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, Heine's got the great. Uh, I, I think the, that's the greatest philosophy for any kids from thirteen, fourteen down is to make sure they have fun. But that means that philosophy basically, if it's fun, we need to look at everything we do from the weekend's game and ask at every minute, are the kids having fun? Uh, is this activity fun? Is this? <laughs> it's like the, sorry, it's like when you used, before you used to run out. All right, someone would say, "Right, let's have some fun." And, you, and you're going, "What? Do you, do you know what we're just about to do for the next eighty minutes? It's not. It's not fun." <laughs> I hated that. And you know who it usually came from? A winger. <laughs> yeah, boys, let's go have some fun. You're sitting there trying to heave Oh, God. I've got to make 50 tackles. I can't miss one. <laughs> he had fun scoring the two tries and oh, making one tackle. Yeah, but yeah. 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 
but, but most definitely, we, we just have to help implement that uh, that that philosophy. And uh, I think I oh, watch. Um, oh, we got to do more coaching on the run because if we're stopping and we're talking yeah. to kids, you know, we've only got really your sessions should last for for those age groups no longer between forty and sixty minutes. Mm. And if they're moving all the time, you're going to have to do a lot of coaching on Does the run. Does that include your kick tennis? For warm up, including, include, including yeah. your kick tennis, tennis for warm up. Yeah, yeah. They love it. <laughs> love, your, love your kick love tennis. <laughs> little yeah. eight year old was dirty last night. They played bull rush instead of kick tennis, but you know, the kids, yeah. the kids are having a, a whole bunch of fun. Uh, every activity just got to be making sure our philosophy answers everything we do because if it's fun, um, if, 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 as a philosophy, you need to just well, keep questioning. Well, yourself. can I ask? Can, can we overtrain? Can we overtrain them too early? In regards to that was going to be one of my one of my questions. Can we overcoach them too early? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not overtrain. Overcoach. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, oh, we do, and I think it comes back to the Friday night, mate. Like you, you actually get coaches sitting there watching, and the expectation on them. Like, I take it back to on the Gold Coast, uh, we had a an under sixes coach induction, and and we we said to them guys, these kids are brand new to the game. We only need to train them once a week and make sure they have fun. So you almost need to have the training session on the Friday night and then play the Saturday morning because yeah. they so they remember it. Yep. Otherwise, they forget. Mm. And that, the pressures they were getting from the parents and the clubs to train two and three nights a week, yeah. um, yep. we had to bring. We actually had to bring those poor guys together and say, look, you've got to make it as simple. That All those kids need to learn about there is, is being able to get the ball and run and tackle. Yep. Um, and, and then we introduced catch and pass. So we definitely overcoach kids. Uh, it's the pressure and the latest uh, nature of our sport. The best coaches of kids keep it simple and keep it fun. Now, I'm an under-16s coach. Uh, let's paint a scenario. And I have my best player who's one of the most ill-disciplined, unreliable off the field, but I need him if it, if it means we're going to win. How do I handle a situation like that? Mate, I, th- I think it's as simple as, and I'd ask, I'm going to turn this around and say, well, what's your ph- philosophy as a coach? Because your philosophy will answer that question. If your philosophy is making sure everyone has a good time, then you've got to start asking questions of that philosophy. Is it affecting the other kids? Mm. Is mm. If, if your philosophy is winning, um, will it have an effect on the other players if you play them or not? So basically, that's why your philosophy is important because it answers every question. Yeah. But he's under, he's under 16s, though, and I think, obviously, they're young men at that age, so there is a little bit more room for, I suppose, a bit of man, manly talk between each other as a coach and a player. Yep. Um, where, and as we said, it could be home life that's making things up, but if he's disrupting the side and the other players can see that, and it's, it's a bit of a, you know, well, Johnny's mucking up, why does he get to muck? Because I've played with players like this, mm. first-grade players, and... He's doing it, but that's upsetting the blokes who are actually putting in each week in, week out at training, turning up on time, that type of thing. You know, it's a, it's a, for me, it's an easy that's an easy one, mate. Until you start, you know, toeing the line and doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be going to spend some time. And we should, and I don't like using sitting on the bench as a as a punishment because the bench position at the moment is just as important as a starting position. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely words to be said in regards to attitude and, and performance and and teamwork. How but, you? Sorry, kid, go, Brad. Sorry, I was just going to say it's it, it comes back to your how again because um, it's the environment mm. that you that you create, and unless you create the right environment. Um, 
And that might be eliminating that person with some benchmarking, saying we have a benchmark on behaviour. Uh, we have a benchmark on how you train, what your fitness is. We, we, we do something similar with the Gillaroos in terms of um, their on-field, their off-field behaviours, their, their fitness, their strength. It's no different for, for um, the, the benchmarking and the number of factors that come into play, whether or not a player plays, become more the older they get and the more, um, the more serious they get. Mm. I just, um, I think it come, the behaviour as well can be managed before the, the, they they uh, perform the bad behaviour. Um, it's just the uh, how you set up your session, how well planned you are, can pro- probably you can probably avoid a lot of issues. So um, having sessions that flow well and have being set up before you get there can eliminate the possibility of kids getting bored and standing around for too long and misbehaving. Um, so I think that could, you know, there's, there's things you could put in place to try and eliminate them before they happen. Like we've put a. Um, uh, a session, a basic session plan um, or session t- uh, template together um, recently, and it's, uh, it's available online um, on playerl.com. And we've we're asking to eat, you know, more for the mini mods, but I can't see any reason why your, your junior internationals couldn't do it. Cut, turn up and start with a game of footy. So get it out of their system. They they're all in. They're all playing. They're getting warmed up. There's no evidence that shows that a um, 12 year old kid needs to do a structured warm up. So. Mm. Just get them playing. If we tag, touch, or whatever, just get them play. Get out of the system, and then we decide. Okay, we're going to work on catch and pass this week. So we go away, and then we talk about some of that the repetitive stuff, and we introduce a new skill, and we get them to practice it with minimal pressure. And then, okay, let's have some more fun. Now we're going to put that into a more open environment, an open game where you, you're going to have to perform that skill based on a you know you're going to throw a defender in. You've got to do it quicker, slower, and do it in a more game related environment. And then let's finish off with a game because every kid just the first thing a kid will do to ask when they get to train is when can I play a game? Mm. So we start with a game and let's finish with a game. But but that last game we can modify it slightly to suit the particular skill that we're trying to practice. If it's catch pass, we're going to say okay, you have to p- catch and pass it or pass the ball three times before you get tackled. Just to get or, engagement. Yeah, get engagement. Yeah. You're, you're still you're still practicing that core skill, but you're putting in a game situation more fun, um, and you're just encouraging to perform the skill. It's, it's absolutely no different than what you'd do at the NRL level, putting game scenarios in front of the players and they learn through playing the game. And the first thing a kid asks you is, can we play? Can we play? Can we play? We actually implemented this uh, little four-part matrix that Mike's talking about with a couple of teams over two years and our retention rate was over 95% in both of those teams. Uh, the kids uh, just really enjoyed themselves because they end up playing they end up actually doing what they, they paid their money to do. Like they paid to play rugby league. So they're actually playing almost three games a week because half their session uh, on Tuesday night, half their session on Thursday night, and then a game on, on Saturday, they loved it. So Mike, just to, just to wrap up, uh, for the coaches that are out there listening now, where can they access those coaching resources? So there's, uh, there's two avenues. We've got the playinarail.com website. Um, and in that you can find everything. There's uh, the referees, resources, and sports trainers, and, um, and and obviously coaches. So they can go on there and they can find their they can find. Um, if you're an under tens coach, for example, you can, there's a there's a filter. I'm an under tens coach. I want to work on tackle this week, and uh, I want to do a an open drill, or which or, 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 or some kind of game, and that will drop down, and you can be really specific. And those options will come up. And you can watch a video, download a PDF, so you can take your card to training. You have got your, plan, your session plan all done all done for you. Um, the other one is uh, the My League app, so you can download download that from the uh, the uh, iTunes store um, or the App Store, sorry. And um, yeah, and that's got all the same resources, and it's probably a bit more uh, a bit more user friendly. The app it's uh, it's um, it's looking really good, so that's where the, the best place to find it. 
Okay, well, it's an area that we could talk about forever, and it's an area that's continuing to develop the game with our coaches, uh, developing their skills. And I just want to say uh, thank you all, gentlemen, for, for joining us on Tackle Coaching. It's been fun. Cheers, thank sets. you. Cheers, sets.